The Black Lives Matter movement has seen a massive increase in popularity over the last few years. It has been getting more media coverage than ever before and things have gotten really serious lately as more and more voices are being heard. The names you have probably heard are George Floyd, a 46-year-old father who was initially taken into custody for being suspected of using a counterfeit bill and died after an officer kneeled on his neck for several minutes. Breonna Taylor, a 26-year-old EMT who was killed after officers entered the home because of drug suspicions. Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old who was killed while entering his vehicle. Elijah McLean, a 23-year-old massage therapist who died in a chokehold after being sedated by paramedics. These are just a few of many people killed by police. These deaths have sparked protests not only all across the United States, but around the world. There have been many mixed portrayals of the protests in the media. Some are extremely negative, focusing on the people who were rioting and looting stores, destroying property, and going against COVID-19 restrictions. On the other hand, some portray a negative view of the police that were at these protests. With videos of police pepper spraying children, knocking down civilians, smoke bombing large crowds, and lots of tension between protesters and riot police. On the opposite side of that, there have also been particularly moving photographs of peaceful protesters helping each other, protecting each other, and even friendly interactions with the riot police. It's all very overwhelming to see all of these sides flooding the media. The goal here, however, was never for violence, it was to stop the violence. People are fighting for police reform and to have every single person, regardless of the color of their skin, to be treated equally. To not have to fear going outside of their homes just because of the color of their skin. It's trying to break down the systematic racism that haunts not only America, but the world. In aims to try to understand all of what's going on, I secured an anonymous interview with a police officer who's fairly new to the field. Initially, I wanted to bring them onto this episode, but there are several protocols for interviews that could have taken months to get approved, and even by then, it was a very real possibility that I would have conducted and recorded the interview, and the police department would not have approved of the final product, so we had to improvise. I had 25 questions I wanted to ask. Unfortunately, not all of them could be answered. From what I was told, interviews like this that answer the tough questions that we all want to know take a lot of time and review to be approved. A proposal has to be sent all the way to the top of the department and they all, including the sheriff, have to approve the request. Then once the interview is done, they would have to approve my final product as well. They have to be careful about what they say and what is allowed to be said to the public. Some information they simply can't tell the public unless it's an official statement, along with all the other political factors that feed into this. We also couldn't record the interview, so the following is merely a reading of the interview. I'll be asking the questions, and an altered voice will be reading the responses. How long have you had your current job title? I've had my current job title a little over two years. I changed careers in my 40s and went after a dream of mine that had to sit idle for many years. I felt a calling to this line of work since I was very young, going back to early childhood. Do you enjoy your job? I not only enjoy my job, I absolutely love it. 
Every day is an opportunity to meet somebody new and help them in a way I may have never imagined. And in return, they help me too by deepening my connection to my community and growing my understanding of each of our unique purposes in this life. Learning people's stories and what brought them to the point where our paths have crossed can often be humbling and heartbreaking, but also a chance to grow and learn from others' mistakes. Learn how to humanize the interaction on someone's darkest day can make a difference much greater than you and I. What are the pros and cons of this line of employment, putting the current climate around the movement aside? I will start off with the pros because that's the first thing that comes to mind. I would say having the privilege of waking up each day and knowing that I will have not one or two chances to make a positive difference in the world around me, but some days there are more than I can count. It might be handing a meal to a homeless person that hasn't eaten in days and seeing their eyes light up and hearing the words thank you as they clutch the paper bag like it's the keys to a new Mercedes. It might be giving shelter and benefit information to a survivor of domestic violence and seeing the light return in their eyes as they envision their new life. It might be advocating for a doctor's visit for someone that has been isolating and is not sure who to talk to, but I happen to ask how they were that day and they are in so much pain that they can barely answer my question. The cons are less, believe it or not. I do have bad days and I do have times where I have to put my fear in check. Most of those days have something to do with trying to help someone that doesn't want help, who is possibly suffering from immeasurable mental illness or substance abuse withdrawal, and those individuals I do not believe set out to make things more difficult for me and my co-workers. They simply do not have the control for one reason or another to get through the day, often being haunted by their own demons. And it's the oath I take to serve and protect, even if it's from themselves. The other cons come from seeing things that you do not wish on your worst enemy and trying to go home at night as if those images are not burned into the core of your being. I'll leave it at that. Do you have any major concerns with the Black Lives Matter movement? In response to the current climate surrounding law enforcement, I will say this. Believe that we all have a purpose here on Earth and we all have a calling. It is a basic human need to feel loved and to feel a part of something bigger than yourself. Countless men and women have given their lives so that we may have the freedom to voice our calling, whether it's religion, politics, human rights, or the countless other things in this life we may be called upon individually to advocate for. I pray for each and every person on this planet that they never have to experience exclusion, hate, or fear for being the human that they are. Hating and excluding and placing fear in the heart of another is not a solution. What changes to policy have been made since the movement began? Senate Bill 217. Senate Bill 217 was passed to enhance law enforcement integrity. Some of the details of the bill include... All patrol officers must wear body cams by July of 2023. A yearly report is to be given that includes all use of force by officers, all instances where an officer resigned while under investigation, all data regarding contacts conducted by officers, and all data related to the use of an unannounced entry by an officer. Any officer found guilty of unlawful use of force will have their licensing revoked and never reinstated. There are also guidelines to be followed while an officer is at a protest, including not discharging pepper spray or other chemical irritants until an order is issued, heard, 
repeated if necessary, and the people are given sufficient time and space to comply with the order. It prevents the use of chokeholds altogether, are also details of dispersal of funding. That is just a brief summary, and a more in-depth summary of the bill can be found at leg.colorado.gov forward slash bills forward slash SB20-217. Are there any plans for policy change in the near future? Policy is constantly being evaluated and changing, and I am very lucky to work for a department that is very proactive even before current events. What educational resources has the department given its officers in response to the movement? My department has been providing a very rigorous and inclusive mandatory mental health program and training for its officers for a very long time, and it will continue to do so and are very open to changes as needed. What are the current policies in charging officers when excessive force is used? See Senate Bill 217. Colorado allows victims of excessive force can now sue officers personally for up to $25,000. In addition, if an officer is found guilty, they lose their certification and will never work in law enforcement again. And as always, they can sue the department and there is no dollar limit for that. How, if at all, has your on-duty life changed? I would say that my on-duty life hasn't changed much at all. Excessive force has never been allowed or tolerated at my agency, and I go to work every day knowing that each person I come in contact with is not only a member of my community, but someone else's daughter, son, uncle, aunt, mother, etc. I am not judge and jury. I am there for safety and security and to serve and protect, and I will do so, and I have always done so, with respect and dignity. How, if at all, has your off-duty life changed? My off-duty life has changed. I will no longer stop at the store in uniform on my way home from work, and I will not have any law enforcement identifying information or my department logo on anything personal. This is more for my family's protection than anything else. I don't want them to be targeted for the choice I have made to be a member of law enforcement. That concluded the information I could ask of them. All very interesting, nonetheless. I will leave you to do with that information what you will, and I will also touch on a survey I found of officers from around the country. The Eisman Law Firm took a survey of over 200 anonymous officers from around the country to get their opinions surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement. They uncovered that, quote, the vast majority of police officers feel negatively towards the BLM movement. When asked what they hoped the outcome of the movement would be, nearly 60% said that police brutality and racism aren't real problems or the whole thing is overblown, end quote. That is quite the startling statement and a big flip side from what I got from my interview. Some other alarming statistics from this study include only 57% of officers feel like officers receive adequate training on racial issues. Only 1% of officers think that the public has an accurate perception of police violence. And 87% of the surveyed officers feel negatively towards the movement. They have infographics and some other questions on their website, which is aizmanlaw.com forward slash blue dash voices dash black dash lives 
dash matter forward slash. That is sort of scary and off-putting and just solidifies the fact that there are so many mixed opinions on what is going on. How is anyone supposed to differentiate the power-hungry from the ones who want to help? I think a lot of it all goes back to the initial form of police in America. One of the first police forces was formed simply to catch runaway slaves, aiming to ensure that slavery was kept in place. With such a deep-rooted racist system, it is no wonder people are afraid. Not only that, but the police in general have a very intimidating aura. Seeing someone walk up to you in a bulletproof vest with a gun, handcuffs, and a taser strapped around their waist can be very off-putting, especially when there is a history of racism and targeting people of color. Eventually, the police evolved into a different type of protective entity, but it is important to keep the origins in mind. In more recent news, the Derek Chauvin trial recently came to a verdict. Chauvin was found guilty on all three charges he faced in the murder of George Floyd. He is facing up to 75 years for second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. The Minneapolis police chief issued a statement on Twitter that said, quote, We fully respect and support the people's lawful exercise of their First Amendment rights. We ask for people to be peaceful and lawful in their actions. Now is the time to use our humanity to lift each other up and not tear our city down. End quote. The comments under this statement were all over the place, from quote, Thank you to all law enforcement agencies who have weathered through these difficult times, end quote, to quote, How about you fix the racism problem amongst your officers and their murderous impulses instead of wasting time on disingenuous statements you won't even read in person, end quote. The overall consensus over the past week or so is that it is only one small step in a much bigger fight for reform, but a step in the right direction nonetheless. Now that it is at the forefront of the media, and with body cams and civilian footage, it is becoming harder for police to avoid taking responsibility. While this seemed like a step in the right direction, that same day, Police in Columbus, Ohio shot and killed 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant for holding a knife. There is body cam footage of the incident released, and there is a lot of chaos that occurs in just 11 seconds. Social media was very vocal that day, and I remember seeing several tweets talking about the fact that Ohio is a stand-your-ground state, and that this could be used to prove that Micaiah was not in the wrong at the point in time that she was shot. There were very mixed opinions on this fact, and I'm sure it will come up in any investigations that occur. This happening on the same day as the Chauvin trial verdict being reached underscores just how deeply rooted this issue is and how it is and always will be a constant fight. There are some issues being addressed, however. Bills are being passed nationwide in response to the movement. In mid-2020, the Ending Qualified Immunity Act was passed. It was, quote, police reform bill proposed in July 2020 to remove the judicial doctrine of qualified immunity protecting police officers from being held personally responsible for violating citizens' rights. Supporters of the bill believe that it would significantly reduce the number of incidents in police brutality by holding police officers accountable for their actions, end quote. In Illinois, House Bill 3653 was approved and signed into law in February. 
The bill is pretty long and is broken down into a few sections, so just sit tight. First is, quote, a number of measures to increase police transparency and accountability, end quote. It includes mandated reporting of deaths while in custody, prohibits chokeholds, imposes a duty on officers to intervene if they witness excessive force, expands the officer misconduct database, and enhances whistleblower protections, among other things. The next section details detainee, prisoners, and citizens' rights. It increases programming and services to pregnant prisoners and requires medical treatment for prisoners and detainees without unreasonable delay. Detainees will be able to retrieve phone numbers from their phone before it is placed in inventory and allowed three phone calls within three hours of arrival and before questioning takes place. There are also new guidelines if police execute a no-knock warrant, including each officer participant is wearing a body cam. Steps are taken to ensure accuracy and prepare for children or other vulnerable people. And if an officer becomes aware that the warrant was executed on the wrong address, to immediately contact a supervisor to start an internal investigation. The next section details military equipment. This section bans the purchase of certain military equipment by police, including tracked armored vehicles, grenade launchers, weaponized aircraft, bayonets, and firearms and ammunition of .5 caliber or higher. There is also a section of court reforms. It abolishes monetary bail or cash bail, aligns the eligibility for the mental health court or veterans and service members court with the other specialty courts, and clarifies the felony murder rule, among other things. The police licensing section explains how an officer loses their certification if found guilty of a felony and certain misdemeanors. Some of the newly added misdemeanors include solicitation of a sexual act, public indecency, domestic battery, harassment by telephone, and evidence interference. Bills like these and other bills detailing reform and fund dispersal have continued to be passed as more issues are being voiced by the movement. But where is the line drawn? Completely abolishing the police can't happen overnight, and then there is the question of whether or not the police should be completely erased. Should America scrap the system and start over? Is reform enough? If the police do go away, what will replace them? How will things be handled? These are all questions that keep popping up, but at the same time, it's about abolishing the systematic racism that exists in our society. Honestly, I'm not sure what would happen. As much as we all want to believe that people are good and that the world is good, there are bad people out there that will take advantage. If the police disappeared tomorrow, there is no telling what would happen. Everything could be fine, or crime could shoot through the roof. Regardless of race, there are bad people in this world. Some of them weasel their way into a system that will protect them if they do wrong. Some of them literally get away with murder, and some of them are brought to justice. But what is justice? Because it doesn't look the same for everybody. A lot of the time, it looks different if you aren't white. It's a sad truth, but it is so deeply ingrained into the American system, it's hard to ignore. And it shouldn't be ignored. I'm a freshman in college. I don't have all the answers. 
but I do know that people should not be afraid to have this conversation. People should not be afraid for their lives if they get pulled over because of the color of their skin. I know we need to fix this. I know it's been way too long coming. I know that this needs to end, but we have to work together on this. The violence is getting us nowhere. This was never supposed to be violent. Power and lies made this violent. Jordy were not violent. They are peaceful and want a change and are speaking for those who don't have a voice. Get angry for the right reasons. This was never meant to be a war. It should never have to have been. Listen to your people and maybe you can find the answers. I'll leave you with a few thoughts. Firstly, I watched a very moving short film a couple of weeks ago called Two Distant Strangers. It's on Netflix and it gets pretty graphic, but I think it provides a very moving viewpoint on all of this. Second, it's important to take a step back and understand how things got to this point in the first place. Regardless of what you believe, there is obviously something wrong if we have gotten to the point we are now. And lastly, it is important to make an effort to educate yourself on these topics and understand that things are changing every day and you have to make a conscious effort to understand what is happening around you. In the description of this episode, you will find some educational resources and ways you can help. Thank you for taking the time to listen today.